my personal um, opinion on the sport on its own, for me, is very imbalanced. Like, to only lift, uh, that's fucked up, you know? Like, you need to have other things. Like, you need to, you need to go out and run or you need to do some boxing or you need to uh, throw a kettlebell around or whatever it is. You don't want to get stuck in this thing where you just deadlift and squat and bench press every day. And It's kind of like... I kind of liken it to if you were to play the piano and to make music, you were just pressing one key all the time. Yeah. You're not utilising all of these other tools that are there for you. It's very simplistic, which is the beauty of it, but it's also the trap, isn't it? That's right, yeah. And that's when you start chasing numbers and before you know it, your body's all fucked up and you're like, walk around like a cripple. You can lift shit loads of weight, you can't do anything else. Mm. Fall down the stairs and shit because you're fucking... Ankle's not moving through its full range of motion and shit like that, you know. So do you... What does your lifting look like now? Like, do you, are you lifting Pretty at the moment? Pretty dismal for him. Mm. One day a week. We're eventually going to get the numbers, aren't we? Yeah, I think... Um, <laughs> one day, One day a week, I like to... I've got... Uh, from my own personal training, I think I've gotten to a point where I'm happy with my strength. Uh, I think you get to a certain point where... You, you have to start putting in more time for diminished returns. And I feel like I'm at that point where it's like, all right, well, if I want my numbers to go up, I need to be putting more time into those lifts, which means it's taking more time away from other things. And for me, like mobility is a, is a, a uh, like high on my agenda this year. I want to get more flexible. Uh, I'm really tight all over. That's starting to change now. And if I put more time into adding more weight to the bar, then it takes more time away from me doing other things. So it's all about ratio, you know. Mm. If, you're, if you're a lifter, then obviously lifting is going to take up the majority of your training time. You should still be doing something, other things, like to, to undo the potential damage that, that it's doing to you mm. over time, from, for that, the, that doing the one thing over and over again would do to anyone. But um, for me, one day a week seems to keep everything... Uh, at a at a place where I'm I'm happy, I'm not interested in chasing numbers anymore. I did for a little bit, and to tell you the truth, I was never exceptionally strong when it came to bar work. But um, I still recognise its benefits, and uh, I can't step away from it completely. But yeah, one day a week, one and a half hours seems to keep everything in check. What about you? Mm, yeah, mine's probably the same at the moment. I'm not taking it too seriously. I probably yeah, throughout like last year, maybe at least one day a week, sometimes two. I tried to get back into my cleans a little bit and, and that's Olympic lifting side of things and I wasn't really there mentally, which I found was like, you know what, if, if you're not really super keen on it, don't do it because it'll just end up kind of damaging you a little bit, at least in my case. But um, yeah, squatting and deadlifting, I probably maintain that minimum once a week. Um, and I'm the same as you. I got to a point where I felt like the numbers were high enough and there were so many other things in my training that I wasn't exploring. So spending another year to add five kilos to my deadlift was like, well, fuck, I could be using that year to like learn how to do a handstand or, you know, some other cool shit. And so, I, you know, when I looked at it from that perspective, I thought, yeah, what do I really want out of this? And it's like you get to a point where you feel pretty strong at that thing. So then move on to something else. What would you say would be like, I mean, for our members, 
our like benchmark list and how strong how strong do you need to be on the bar for for a jungle brothers member or for someone who's a who's a member of our tribe anyway good question i i have an opinion around it i think that uh i think you should be able to deadlift double body weight you know um for a guy i think double body weight is good i think for a female the same goal would be awesome but maybe you know a little bit less maybe one and a half times body weight I feel like uh, a body weight and a half back squat is a pretty good thing to shoot for, you know. In my personal experience, I feel like double body weight back squat's a bit of a journey and perhaps it's not mm. worth putting that much time into it. Yeah, are we looking at bench press? Uh, People probably know, not. Right? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. People want to know. I, probably yeah. not as applicable for us because we don't do a, a lot of it. It's yeah. more of a... It comes around every, what, six, seven months kind of thing? Yeah, six that's months. right. Although I do know there is one man out there who w- this question is on the tip of his tongue at every class. That man's name is Adi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, Adi. He wants to know how much a good number is for bench pressing. And I, I suppose, given the frequency at which we don't train it, I think it'd be cool to be able to bench press your body weight for mm. a few reps or maybe body weight in a quarter for one. You know, that's a, that's a good guide if you're working on it for, for eight weeks or so. Yeah, I think those numbers sound, sound right, right about... And I think also, like, like hitting a double body weight for your deadlift, it doesn't, necess- it doesn't have to stay there. But I think it's important to, to set a goal like that, go out and get it. And then, you know, if it drifts off, that's fine. But you've, you've, the, the journey of getting your, your lift to, to that level... Uh, the amount, the changes that your body goes through to get there, you you keep them for life, you know. Mm, and mm. this is uh, it, it's not even like the physical changes, but the mental changes because it's it takes a lot of discipline, you know. Mm. Really, at the end of the day, it's a boring lift, you know. Most of them can get pretty boring because you're running them week in and week out, and it's like man, fuck, nothing really changes except for a little bit of extra weight on the bar, so it just hurts a bit more every week and that takes a lot of discipline to do that you know i really admire the athletes that can get in there and just keep doing it over and over and over again it's hard work you know put your body under a shitload of strain Mm. um i can't do it you know i do it for a little bit get get uh, to those numbers were good for me and um and then it's like no i'm move on to other things now you know but uh but it also depends on your environment too a lot, mm. right? Like, I got to say, when I was training, you know, when I worked at like Anytime Fitness for those couple of years in the city and I was just there, it's like, no one's doing anything cool there anyway. There's no one working on the rings or practicing handstands or like trying to do the splits or, you know, whatever. So it was like, like deadlifting and squatting was about as exotic as it got. So in that environment, if you're not, aware of the things you're missing out on it's easy to just keep doing that thing right Mm. like there's still people going to fucking bro gyms and doing pec deck and bench press and delt flies the same fucking chest routine that like the guys before Arnold Schwarzenegger were talking about in the 70s Mm. so I mean we're capable of putting ourselves dragging ourselves through the mud for a long time until we realize oh shit there's all this other cool stuff Mm. you know yeah I think that and that's also you could be doing that workout for, yeah, you know, fuck. I've met people who've been doing workouts like that for ten years and never changed a w- routine. 
You know, you see it all the time as a PT. People are like, oh, so what, what's your, what are you training at the moment? They'll tell you what they're doing. Oh, how long have you been doing that? Oh, pretty much for, <laughs> since I started. Yeah. yeah. Which is like, mm. I guess that's moving into a different subject, but that's more of a trap, you know? People get stuck in these, uh, in these cycles. And I think that's something that we're also very aware of in our gym, Jungle Brothers, that you can get caught in these, in these, um, these comfort zones as a coach, you know? And you don't venture out and look for new things and stuff you can bring back to the gym to... Uh, some people look at it as, oh, there's too much variety, you know, and the old schools are like, you've you got to stick to these particular lifts because they're the ones that give the most benefit. But for us, it's like, it's part of evolution, you know, as a, as a, as a brand to be able to, to continually seek out new stuff and, and bring it back to the gym and play with it and keep yourself, like, even as a coach, like, um, motivated because... If you teach the same thing day in and day out, it's fucking boring, you know? Yeah, that's right. There's nothing better than going away for a workshop for five days and coming back and sharing all that new knowledge with everyone in the gym. It just brings in a big buzz. I love it when, when the boys go out and do it and they bring back new stuff and we get to sit down and just break it down, especially when it's stuff that's breaking all the old rules, you know? Love that. Totally. Even if it's not fucking as good or just as good, who cares, you know? It's different, uh, it's exciting, and it's challenging. And and all those things combined equal um, just having fun, you know? Mm. Speaking of which, I'm actually going to a weightlifting workshop on the squat and the deadlift next month. Nice. Which is kind of funny, yeah, because, you know... I was quite surprised when you told me that, actually. I was like, oh... Yeah, it was, you know what it was that drew me to it? It was, uh, Drew drew me to it. Uh, one of the fellows that trains, trains me, Drew Slater. Shout out, Drew. What's up, um, Drew? He was, he's been doing some lifting training with a guy called Alan Romero. Shout out, Alan. Sounds Down, like an MMA fighter. Does. Doesn't he? Romero. Yeah. <laughs> he's a white guy, though. Uh-huh. Yeah, it doesn't fit the bill. Mm. Man, we can do something about that, maybe. <laughs> but, um... He, after talking with Drew, Alan's got this kind of unique take on lifting and using, you know, really focusing on using the breath work to stabilize the torso and uh, positioning yourself in a position that is mildly, and this is without having gone to the workshop yet, this is just kind of hearsay from what has been passed on through Drew, but his positioning is more, you know, typically you're taught in weightlifting to have as much, you know, almost as much extension in the spine as you can, chest up, bum out, nice straight back. His is a little bit more towards f- tiny bit of flexion. So a little bit more of a rounded spine. However, it's still pretty fucking straight, but slightly different, different head position, different breathing. And he's achieved some incredible results with that. And I know Drew experienced that firsthand. And so I was like, man, this is cool. Like there's a guy out there who's, he's not a CrossFit gym. So he's following his own methodology He's obviously had coaching from some other unique sources and he's telling a story that's different to what uh, the, you know, the majority of people are, which is very much mirrors what we're doing. Um, and so we had an exchange on Facebook and he seemed like a real cool guy and he put this workshop together in Sydney next month, so I'm going to go. And I just I'm, I more want to experience him as a coach and, and obviously pick up a couple of good little tips on the squat and the deadlift. But I know that Drew had experienced a bunch of back issues doing a lot of that stuff in CrossFit he started, you know, he took a long time off it and then he went back to lifting with this coach 
and he's now lifting heavier than he was before, injury-free. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's, uh, so that kind of piqued my interest, you know. There's something special there, something unique. Oh, I can't wait to hear all about it when you get back off the course. Yeah, maybe I'll stop fucking around with handstands and just start deadlifting day in, day out again. Yeah, you know, if you start doing that, then I'm going to have to start doing it too, bro. <laughs> T and I have an ongoing, uh, like, I guess, competition with the weightlifting thing. I do, now, however... Now that Adrian's gone. I have an ace up my sleeve, though, that T doesn't know about. And I'm, I'm yet to pull it out on him. Hey, can yeah. you tell us what that is now, or is it top secret? Well, we compare numbers, right? We always, we always compare numbers. It's always like it will be testing week and he'll be like, oh, yeah, I got this. And then I'll be like, oh, well, fuck, I got this. And then he'll be like, I was just kidding. I actually got this. <laughs> and I'm like, shit. <laughs> but he weighs more than I do. Uh, so ooh, we, when we boil ooh. it down and put it onto that scale, <laughs> power to weight ratio, son, it's hard. It's, right. it's neck and neck. I'll never bench as much as he does. I'd fucking never squat as much as you do. How much did you squat when you were chasing after the back squat back in? I, I got to a 157.5. Jesus. Which in the squatting world is, is not that heavy, but in the Jungle Brothers world, <laughs> that's, that's the king of the jungle. Yeah. <laughs> so what's that, that in matters. terms of the body weight that you had? That's at big the time? fish and small pond, bro. That's all that matters. <laughs> 157. How much do you weigh? I 90. am 87 uh, kilos. At the time, I would have been 90. Okay. Yeah. Gee, I think even with the fucking body weight scale, I still lose on that one. Squat is mine. <laughs> deadlifts I'm not very good at. Luke told me that I got the, I got a, I got a, I'm more of a squatter than a deadlifter. That's a nice thing to say. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what the, what the theory is behind that, but he has, um, I think it's to do with torso length and leverage and mobility and all that kind of stuff, but certain individuals are, and it makes sense you know some people are, are better at squatting and then they are deadlifting and and vice versa and then there's people that are really good at both you know yeah but, and body type i think plays a really big role mm, mm. in any sport and especially in in lifting barbells i'm yet to find out mobility is one of the biggest things and i think this is so overlooked by so many different athletes you have to be flexible like really flexible to be to be a high level lifter, mm. you know. Yeah, this is an interesting. This brings me to an interesting point that came up earlier this week. Uh, so I was talking with a buddy of mine, uh, Andrew Reed. Shout out Andrew, who's a uh, uh, you know we 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 met at the movement camp a couple of years ago. He's a very accomplished strength conditioning coach, and I think he's up north somewhere coaching Queensland. And uh, he writes a lot of articles for a few different online publications, and he's very. He's got some, you know, like he's, he's right on point with, his, uh, with the science side of things and the, the, the movement mechanics and all that kind of stuff. But he was asking me about the fighters that I work with and what my take is on training rotational power and do I do it because there's a school of people who do a lot of it and there's a school of people who think you don't need it and blah, blah, blah. And we basically got into the conversation. I was like, you know what? I don't really look at too much of that at all because most of the people... I'm coaching the fighters, the members of our gym, the whoever. They've got so many other things that they need to work on first before you start to get into these, you know, these little nooks and crannies of strength and conditioning and human movement that it's like, 
I'm not going to waste time on those. First, I'm going to teach you how to squat properly and fix your ankles and fix your, your stuck thoracic spine and whatever. But I find this an interesting kind of thing within the lifting world and within the strength conditioning world and even within CrossFit a little bit and not at all being critical, but is that often people will look and coaches will look so far into the intricacies of what lifts am I using and what rep ranges and who, what cycle am I following and all this fucking science when it's like, man, these people can't even put their fucking arms over their head properly mm. or they can't even comfortably rest in a squat position for like five minutes. So it's almost like you're trying to teach algebra to someone who can't add numbers together, you know? What do you, how do you feel about that? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's very easy to get stuck on, on numbers, just in general, reps, sets, rest periods, you know, calories, all this other... Uh, uh, Times. Yeah, yeah, all of it. All of the, all, anything that, that's like... N- we're obsessed with numbers anyway. As humans, like, we want to document everything. That's how we document, you know. But then you start to overlook other factors, you know, like the ones you've just mentioned. Happiness. Yeah. It's fucking enjoying your workout, you know. Not getting so bloody obsessed with, with chasing numbers. Because uh, when you do things like this, especially for the average, average show... You start to lose contact with the, all the other things that you should be paying attention to, you know? Like mobilizing before you train or while you're training or someone telling you that doing any kind of loaded mobility between your sets is going to potentially compromise your lift uh, or your maximum, your maximum potential for that day. It's like, who cares, you know? If you're not like a competition lifter and getting paid for it, isn't it better just to do what's potentially going to keep you healthier over time than trying uh, to get that other 1.25 kilos on your squat. That's right. You know, and at the end of the day there's like there's this line and it it irritates me because there's this line between performance and health and well-being and it's fucking one big gray blob. And all the things that these top end athletes are doing are getting mimicked by people on like us mm, you know mm, mm. that are not getting paid to like, push their bodies to the limit <clears throat> we just see them doing it and we're like oh, okay that's gonna work for me you know i'm gonna do clock off squat cycle yeah pretty much you know i remember when i was working as a pt at fitness first and so there was like a fucking article in the newspaper where uh, all these rugby players were eating maxi bonds for breakfast or some shit like so which is fine when you weigh 120 kilos and you're training four to six hours a day of explosive exercise and then running at a brick wall time and time again and your genetic fucking compound or, or makeup is like not of the average human, then you probably need a little bit of extra calorie. But that next day, all the PTs are in there eating an ice cream in the morning and I'm like, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? And then guess who else starts to eat ice creams in the morning? Then all of a sudden their clients are eating an ice cream after training it's like... What the fuck? <laughs> you know, and all this stuff starts filtering down, you know. Everyone's getting fucking injections to fix their knees and shit, you know. So they get back at the gym within the next two weeks and it's like, you know. Yeah, I've got to get back on the rack, the man. What bro? You know. Take <laughs> it easy. Slow down, you know. And start really focusing on what your goals are. And the first goal of anyone, mm. even the professional athlete, is to not get injured. Because when you get injured, that's it. You can't train properly, you know. It's as simple as that. 
I think that's something that we focus on a lot here at Jungle Brothers. And because of it, our injury rates are extremely low. And lo and behold, potential goes up because people feel more confident and push their bodies places that they've never been before, you know? Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think that, you know, the fact that we have the foundation program now, which, which gives that kind of, um, you know, gives that uh, understanding to, to new members and that sort of thing, teaches them how to mobilise a little bit, teaches them the basic understanding and, and coordination behind everything we do. Um, it's true. It's, uh, it bulletproofs people, you know? And I've got to say, we put our people through a bunch of crazy shit. You know, you look at some of the stuff we're doing in Fight Factory and Jungle Gymnastics and, and all those classes, like there's, you know, there's some pretty compromising positions that we're getting people into intentionally and it's making them stronger and, and you know, move better. Mm. Um, I wanted to just touch on one thing that was kind of led into a moment ago is the use of barbells for stretching, something you mentioned before, Paul. Mm. Uh, so it's not all about building explosive power and getting jacked getting big glutes mm. there's also a, a, a used a lot as a mobility tool right yeah it's a great tool great tool Your mobility tool and also like as a trigger point tool as well to roll out on and that kind of stuff it's such a it's an awesome tool I, I've, I think um, CrossFit bought a lot of a lot of well, the whole Kelly Starrett thing um, trigger point side trigger of things point, for sure yeah and then looking at a lot of the stuff that, that um, Christopher Summers is doing with the barbell as well. But, uh, and also people just playing around with it out there, you know, doing stuff with it. But I think now like this movement towards uh, loading up your stretches and moving through them is like changing the game again, you know, strengthening range of motion that you would never usually go to, you know strength out of alignment that kind of stuff oh, what's an example of one well uh pause front squat you know which we which we've done a lot of in just the snm program just right? hang out down the bottom yeah. yeah like load up in a front squat it's tough. put put as much weight on there as you can handle yeah do you know a few reps but stay in that bottom position for three seconds nice and active and i mean it's like yeah you've fucking got gravitational forces pushing you as deep into that squat as mm. possible and then you have to get back out of there. Mm. You know, it's... it's With it's no an, momentum. Yeah, it's an immense, you know, tool mm. for mobility. I've noticed that you've, you've programmed that in the, in the latest uh, strength and movement with a three-second pause at the bottom of the squat, which um, is great, you know, because it gives you time to think about the position that you've hit. It gives you time mm, to, mm. to sink deeper into the into the squat with with that lift ratio or with that tempo what's your thoughts on breathing down there mm, it's a good question i for me personally i tend to hold my breath at the bottom and because i kind of know like for five reps i'll be okay with that but if it goes beyond five reps and i think at the moment we're doing i think it might be six reps six to eight six to eight is it so I usually get to a point after about five reps where I've got to breathe. I will breathe. I use that concept of breathing behind the shield. So I'll maintain that abdominal tension. That's the shield. And then I'll breathe behind it. So my breath will be very shallow, you know, and it's not effective breathing at all. That's usually the ones when I post it on Instagram, my yoga friends are like, don't forget to breathe, man. <laughs> breathe. And it's like, 
sometimes stability is more important than, you know, smooth mm. breathing. But then you finish your set and you put the weight down and you can catch your breath and that sort of thing. But yeah, that's, that's kind of how I do it. I hold my breath as long as I can and just breathe at the top. And then once I have to, short little behind the shield breaths. Same for you? Uh, it depends on the individual for me. When I've been, as I've been coaching that particular uh, tempo, uh, I've been playing around with the stuff that Steve Maxwell was talking about when we went on his um, workshop about cycling breath through uh, your strength exercises, which is like, has always been taught to me as a big no-no. Like, you wanna, again, what you're talking about, about holding the breath and creating that uh, compressed air in the gas chamber and then squashing it up with the corset and that kind of stuff. Well, his approach was to, to cycle the breath and uh, focus on the range, you know? And I think... Uh, if you've already got optimal range for your squat, it's not important. You can f just get stable and rack up the weight. But uh, for the people that are still shy of, of a proper deep squat, I've been getting them to back off the weight a little bit and focus on cycling the breath to allow them to get a deeper position and then get the end range first and then start loading it through. But it's still having weight on them, you know, depending on the individual. But um, yeah, I've been having a little play around with that. It's been great, actually, really successful. It's interesting uh, how much range you can you can increase on somebody's uh, movement just by getting them to to not hold the breath, to cycle the breath. You know? Yeah, right. I'm really looking forward to this workshop that's coming up with this fellow. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Ah, yes, with the the six harmony gung concept the chi oh. gung workshop with stanley tam mm, that sounds more about mystical that sounds fucking cool right yeah. yeah man yeah we're very lucky to have stanley coming in actually he's uh you remember we met him at the steve maxwell workshop you oh the the it was the chinese guy oh the first brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt in china exactly oh that's him the head of shanghai bjj that's iconic yeah so he uh so we ended up rolling together up at um, Gracie recently and he was here for a couple of weeks and he was training in there each day and we just got chatting and he was using all these I could hear him making all these funny breathing sounds while we we're rolling and I don't know he must be 15 yeah 10 15 20 years older than me and he was kind of like playing the card of oh just go easy on me young man kind of thing and then I tried to bash the guy and then he just totally withstood it all and was a beast but um he had all this cool breathing stuff he was doing. And I asked him, oh, what are you doing? And he said, oh, it's Qigong. You know, it's a Chinese breath practice. And I've been doing it forever. He goes, you know, I teach it. I teach it in China and, and it's a big part of things. And the conversation went on and basically he's like, yeah, people in the West don't know how to breathe. They never, they never look into it and they suffer as a result. You know, they don't recover properly. They don't perform properly. It's just a really limiting factor. And it's a basic fundamental, you know, uh, tool that humans have. And I mean, you know, we all know it, right? Like you look at you look at anyone that's doing cool breath work, like Wim Hof or Hicks and Gracie back in Choke when he's doing the ab thing, the intra abdominal ab thing, you know. And uh, it's something that I've been interested in for a while. So anyway, we continued the chat a couple of months later, and he said, "Man, I'm going to be in Sydney. I'll I'll do a workshop for your people." So we're lucky enough to book him, and he's going to come in. I think it's Saturday, the 28th of Feb. Um, it's five-hour workshop, Qigong Foundation Workshop. Awesome. Oh, put it in your diary. Wow. Yeah, get to that. The tickets yeah, are up. 
the event's on the Facebook page and it's gone out in our recent newsletter. Uh, but tickets can be purchased through Eventbrite. So if you just search Jungle Brothers on Eventbrite ticketing website, you'll find it. But yeah, don't wait. I think we've already sold like maybe half the tickets and there's only sort of 20 spots. So get in quick and, and fucking learn to breathe properly, man. I know I want to. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's amazing because like as far as um, the things we need to survive goes, it's like food. You can only last however many days, it's 28 days, whatever it is with food. Water, less so. But oxygen, you're only going to last a few minutes, minutes without, without breath. So yeah, that's right. points to the fact that it's so important for us. And we take it for granted, huh? We do, we totally do. You see some, you, know, you see some people breathing through the mouth, like heavy kind of <sighs> mouth breathing going on. Mm-hmm. You know, with day-to-day activities and you're like, oh shit, man, it's not meant to be that way. Mm. You know, it's, there's, there's things there. And then definitely when you're in the intensity of a, of a workout or you're rolling against someone or you're sparring or whatever, there's all, you know, it plays such a huge role there. And I think by not looking into it, you're really doing yourself a disservice, you know? So, yeah, excited. It's, in, it's, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's eight minutes, the world record. Breath Holding hold? your breath? Oh, yeah. Was it a free like diver that, or someone? No, I think it was that um, that magician. What's his name? What motherfucking David Copperfield? Yeah, it's David Copperfield. <laughs> no man, yeah, not yeah, David yeah. Copperfield. Really? Yeah, there's like a doco and shit on him. Yeah, he he, he tried to trick, <laughs> tried to use all these tricks to do it, and then he decided he just wants to break it. Did it on Oprah and went through like all these spasms and shit. Yeah, there's a TED doco out on it. Oh, I TED guess. talk. Yeah, you gotta watch it. I went to the show something. once when I was in Vegas. Oh yeah. Fucking blew my mind. Pretty fucking dedicated. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, he fucking made a Harley Davidson appear out of thin air. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, Welcome to David Copperfield. And then he's like, And there's a fucking Harley (laughs) Davidson right there in front of me. Oh, smoking mirrors, yeah. (laughs) You cannot even fathom it. The motherfucker walked through the Great Wall of China. It's great. Yeah, he's good. They showed a video of that magicians. I love magicians. Fuck. A magician or illusionist or the same thing? Maybe a bit of the same thing, I guess. I don't know. Call it what you will. Jesus, man. They do blow minds. Blow but minds. He started crying on this TED talk. After he hit the... Oh, after he broke the record? N- yeah, like no, talking like about talking it. about it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Because some, some kid caught him up, caught, caught him, t- told him that, he was, that it was all fake when he had actually trained up to break the record. It was the one real thing he'd ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Besides the Harley. It broke that After the Harley's heart. Yeah. 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 Do it on Oprah. But were they real tears? Or is this just an illusion? <laughs> 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 All right, cool. Leave hey, it on that, Joe. Yeah, let's get out of here. That was a good, that was a good one. Uh, next we'll be chatting about moving. We'll catch you guys next time. Movement. All right, cool. Movement. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, yo. Thank you. Ciao.